0: Come on, that's it. Let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on, all across this building. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. If you have a need in your life, I want you to lift up your voice right now and pray. I believe that miracles are, amen, not only a possibility but a reality in this building. Lift up your voice and pray, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, maybe you're facing opposition. I want you to pray and lift up your voice and talk to Jesus. He is more than able, more than capable to set you free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we give you glory. Oh, come on, let's love him. Let's love him in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, let's clap our hands unto Him and give Him praise here today. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord here this afternoon. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 and the verses 9 through 14. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 5. It is also good to have all of our guests and visitors. I got uh, an added gift uh, visitor card. Emily, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. This is a friend of Sister Ashley, and it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We're honored that you're here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, I don't even know if I know how this works anymore. Uh, Preaching, I've been, man, we've had a revival for the last month, and uh, it's so good to have a full house to preach. Our poor evangelist had to preach when everyone was out sick. So that or you all just got healthy because you wanted to hear pastor preach. I don't know, but I'm glad to be here and uh, glad that you're here. And let's go right into the word of the Lord. I I believe God's got something for us here today. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great Man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel. A little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress... Would to God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, I just want to say something real quick. There is, at this point, no biblical precedent that has been set that the prophet would cure somebody of their leprosy. But the faith of this little Israelite uh, slave, if I could put it that way, according to the Bible, she had enough faith that if Naaman would get to the house of God, if Naaman would get to the man of God, that he would recover of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha and Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean but Naaman was wroth and went away and said behold I thought that's always when we get in trouble right there I thought I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. I thought he was going to shock him on me, give me a back rub in Jesus' name, and shout in my ear, and I was going to be all right. That's what he thought. And he said, Are, are not Aban and Farfer, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, thou wouldest have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was Clean. the bible says we're going to talk about it here today all these great things but it, it puts a little tag there the bible does this from time to time but he was a leper talk of sarah it say all these great things or elizabeth it says but she was barren and i want to preach us for a few moments on this subject but he was a leper But he was a leper. Would you set down your Bibles, and we're going to pray in this house. I believe that God's got a word for us here tonight. Do you believe that? Would you pray with me as we ask God to speak to us? Hallelujah, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help me to preach this word, God, as I have received it. And, God, that you would open up our understanding, open up our ears, God, that we can understand the Scriptures. God, there's a lot of themes and a lot of typology here today, God, that I want to do my best to help us to see. And I pray, God, that you would help us to connect all of this together and bless our souls, God, for the saving of our souls. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. but he was a leper. This is one of the more famous passages of Scripture for many reasons. I think uh, mainly the theme of leprosy in the Bible, which we're going to talk about here today, is a a major theme throughout the Old Testament and even all the way into the New Testament. Uh, But I think it's interesting because Jesus even talked about this story. And I think anything that Jesus refers back to is something that intrigues, at least myself and any other student of the Word of God. Uh, he said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 27 that there were many lepers in Israel in the time of uh, Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Jesus would also talk about many widows. Except for one woman of Sarepta, and she's the only one that survived through the famine. And so there's something interesting here. I look at Naaman and I see very little. I see a small biblical account of his life. We don't get a lot of information. We only get one or two different little stories, one from Jesus saying that he was the only one that was cleansed, and then we see right here in Second Kings chapter five that this this Naaman, whose name literally means uh, blessing or plentiful or things that are are, are pleasant, if you will, uh, this this man was named by his parents when they saw him; they thought he is a pleasant child. Naaman was the captain of the host for Syria. We see that through biblical context, as uh, being one of the most important positions in any nation. Aside from having the title of king, the captain of the host had every other power at their disposal. They had the military at their disposal. They had uh, the justice system at their disposal. Two of the most famous captain of the host that we find in the Bible is one man that served under King Saul by the name of Abner. And Abner was captain of the host. And there was nothing that was done in Israel that Abner did not have his hand in. You will find that it was so much influence with the captain of the host that when Saul died, it was Abner that tried to set up one of the children of Saul as the next king. We see the next captain of the host being David's. His name is Joab. And Joab is a pretty bad dude. He ends up stabbing people under the fifth rib and... He chases people down to a city of refuge. He even follows David's order to the T, and he gets uh, Uriah killed by placing him, even though he strategically knows, and by law, he could not put somebody in that compromising position. He did it anyways. And, and, And Joab did not follow after Absalom when Absalom tried to take the kingdom. He kept his influence with David. And David was able to regain his kingdom after that because of the captain of the host. But we see that he did turn after Adonijah. And that is why when David took over, or when David was about to pass away and give his kingdom to his son Solomon, he told him, don't let Joab live because he's got too much influence. And I could go on and on and on, but suffice it to say, the captain of the host was like being the vice president. But, but having all of the authorities of the president, just not the title. The king was there just to be a political uh, a puppet, if you will. And it was the captain of the host that was making a majority of the decisions uh, aside from maybe Israel. But we see that Naaman, he was a mighty man. He was a captain of the host for Syria. He was an honorable man. The Bible doesn't give that terminology just to anybody, but he was honorable The Bible says he was a great man. He's one of the few people in the entire Bible, one including uh, the Shunammite woman that was called great. He's one of the few in that category that would get the term great written over his life. He was a servant to his king. He had a king over his life, although it wasn't the king of Israel. He had a king. He was under the king's authority. And the Bible even lets us know that he was used of God. The Bible would tell us that he won a great victory because of the hand of the Lord that was with him. Many scholars believe that it was, it was this man Naaman that drew his bow at Venture or uh, by chance and smote Ahab until he died. And many people have tied this verse to that verse to say that that was how the Lord helped him to win a battle. Uh, because God was trying to get rid of a wicked king by the name of Ahab. But suffice it to say, he'd been used by God. He was a man of valor. He was very wealthy. We know this because of how he showed up to the prophet's house. He had his his, his cattle laden with gold and with silver and with garments. He was not a broke individual. He was very, very, very well off. He had more accolades than we have time to mention but there is one thing that at the end of all these great things we could talk about Naaman that is written over his life the Bible says that he was a leper you could have a million great things written over your life but there can be one thing that puts a stain on it all And this is that thing for Naaman. He was great. He was mighty. He was wealthy. He was intelligent. He was in position. He was in authority. But he was a leper. There was something in Naaman's life that he did not have taken care of, that he did not have under control, and it was going to affect every area of his life. Oh, somebody lift up your hands here today and let's pray. Right now I'm going to preach to somebody there. There might be one area of your life that God wants to deal with. Amen. You could have all the great things in your world, but there can be 1% that is leprous and God wants to deal with it. Let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's pray for just a moment. God came to speak to somebody through this preacher. But he was a leper. God wants to help you uncover and fix those areas that are busted. Now I want you to notice something. Naaman was a Syrian. An enemy of Israel. He had been used by God as an instrument of of, of discipline for his nation. This man by the name of Naaman was a part of a nation that did not have any procedures in dealing with leprosy, let alone any procedures in healing lepers. That's why the Bible says that Naaman was the captain of the host, even though he was a leper. He was wealthy, even though he was a leper. He had problems and all these things about his leprosy, and he had all these great accolades and blessings and positions and titles, and yet he was still a leper. The world did not know how to deal with his leprosy, and so they made it up in their mind, we will let him keep everything, stay in position, and still be a leper. You can be busted and stay where you are. You can be broken, broken in all these different ways, and you can stay in position. You can stay in political authority. You wonder why the world, amen. They they, they look at one church that goes down or goes to the side and they want to publicize it like it's a big deal, and yet they have actors and they have singers and they have politicians one by one that are living like lepers, living in sin, and it's no big deal. You know why? They don't know how to deal with leprosy they don't know how to deal with problems and so they let the problems perpetuate they let the leprosy perpetuate they let the sin perpetuate and they let those people continue on in their positions because they don't know how to deal with leprosy there's a world out there that doesn't have a clue how to deal with sin they just say, well, that's just who they are and how they are, and they're they're not sorry until they get caught. They don't have a problem with it until all of a sudden it shines a, a dark shadow over whatever they're involved in, and the cancel culture will come up and look through somebody's Twitter feed 10 years prior, the moment that somebody starts going and getting elevated, and now all of a sudden they become moral, and they say, we got a problem with this. No, amen, nobody has a problem with sin. Nobody has a problem with leprosy. As long as they're not not getting infected. Oh, hallelujah. They'll vote for people. They'll pay to watch their shows. They'll pay to buy their music. They have no problem until all of a sudden something comes out from 10 years prior and everybody flips out. I want to tell you, they were a leper then. They're a leper now. And if they don't get saved, they'll always Because only God can deliver somebody. Only God can set somebody free. Hollywood can't set you free. The sporting arena can't set you free. The music industry can't set you free. And can I preach to you, politics can't set you free. You've got to get Jesus. You need the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing that will help you recover. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. There was no cure for leprosy to the known world. And let alone there was no procedures or cure that was known to anybody but to the people of God. Amen. It's the people of God that have got the answer. Amen. The Bible says, amen, that Assyria didn't have any answers for leprosy. But Israel did. You can look at Leviticus chapter 14. God gave very specific commandments to Israel concerning lepers. Leprosy was so contagious it could get in their houses. It could get in their clothing. And ultimately the goal of leprosy was to get in the people. Hallelujah. Because it, it, it does matter where you go. And it does matter what you wear. And it does matter who you hang out with. And it come on, there are environments that are going to be contagious. Can I preach to a 2020 world that's worried about germs that they cannot see? I want to tell you, there's a thing called sin that you cannot see, but you interact with it every day. And if you're not careful, it'll get in the way you dress. It'll get in the way you live. It'll get in the way that you think. Leprosy doesn't stop just on the external. It moves its way to the internal. Oh, I came to preach to somebody, don't get the mindset of a leper. Don't allow yourself to get a bad attitude like a leper. You've got to get your spirit, amen, baptized in the Holy Ghost and keep it pure. <laughs> lepers had to grow about crying unclean, unclean, unclean. That was the biblical mandate. Jesus would come by and he'd see lepers, and they would go unclean, unclean. Because it was a capital offense if you infected somebody else. Amen. If you've got a bitter spirit, keep it to yourself. Hallelujah. Now, let me say that again. I, I, can't, I haven't got to preach in a month, so I might as well. You know, this whole, this whole world right now is everybody's masking up, and thank God if you're if you doing that, that's awesome. Amen. But what we really need is some people to mask their spirit up. They go around coughing on everybody, bleeding on people that didn't cut them, getting bitter at everybody because this person offended me, that person offended me. What you don't know is you're a leper, and you're just trying to come in contact with as many people as you can. You're contagious, and you don't know it. And you you need to get a hold of it, and you need to get it right with God. He told them that it could get in your houses. It could get in your clothes. It will get in the people. Leprosy was so highly contagious, it would affect their nervous system. And after attacking the nervous system, it would desensitize the individual. Amen. So that they would begin to decay because of a lack of blood flow they lose their sensitivity and you mark it down somebody that's got leprosy in their spirit I'm talking about sin in their life they get a little bitterness Amen. as the Bible says of Esau it's a root of bitterness and it starts affecting every area they can't worship the way that they want to worship why? because they're too bitter they've got so much unforgiveness that they can't lift up their hands that's why when Achan was caught with a Babylonian garment that he said give God the glory and he couldn't lift his hands Amen. when you're not living right You can't worship right when you're not serving God the way that you know you ought to. It affects your worship. It affects your giving. It affects your living. It affects how you think. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. We came to deal with this here today. Praise God. After all of that, leprosy invades the objects so that it can transfer to living people. It doesn't just get on surfaces. It wants to get in the surfaces. It wants to get under the surface. you got to be careful what gets under your skin because it wants to get there and it wants to reside there and it wants to multiply there. Amen. Uh, it, it would come and it would come into the uh, live live in the objects or the people that it came in contact with. Just like sin, it, it wants to rub off on you. Don't think for one moment that that people are interested in you living your Christian life. Uh, they may not talk down to you, but they are so interested. I mean, you tell one person that you don't support Hollywood, and they're going to start wanting to get you to watch this show and watch that show. And you tell some of you do not support, amen, certain idolatrous activities, uh, and immediately they think there's something wrong with you they're not satisfied with it being on them they want it to be on you it makes them convicted and I'm not talking about being judgmental I'm talking about you just keep a clean mouth at work and they wonder why you don't cuss and they, they they want to bring it out of you so they step on your feet and they'll do everything they can because they want what's on them to get on you but if you're part of the church of the living God, we want the Holy Ghost that's inside of us to get on them. You can try all you want to get all that mess on me, but I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, and the blood of Jesus might get on you. The Holy Ghost, I feel, it'll pour out of that upper room down to the streets of Jerusalem, and it'll pour on every house and every coworker and every neighborhood. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, let's magnify Jesus. All of that is good information because it helps somebody be vigilant and aware of the dangers of leprosy. But what do you do if you've already got it in your house? What do you do if you've already got it in your clothes? What do you do if you've already got it in your body? The Bible lets us know that they had commandments in Israel on how to deal with that. It was your responsibility to go to the priest. Hallelujah. It was not the priest's responsibility to come to your home. It was your responsibility to bring the priest to your home. And that priest, you were basically letting them know, I think I got leprosy in my home. Uh, you can't expect everybody else to figure out whether or not you've gone off. you got to have a prayer life of your own that says, you know what, I might be slipping a little bit. I better get around, amen, a child of God where they can let me know maybe I've gone off a little bit. Can you double check this for me, preacher? Amen. Saint of God, friend of mine, can you let me know if I'm thinking about this correctly? And they had a responsibility to bring the priest to their home. And when that priest got to the home, he looked around he inspected every brick he inspected every garment and he said this is of god that is not of god this is leprous that is not as leprous some people have a problem with that well preacher what do you think you're doing preaching about stuff like that who do you think you are well i'm a leprosy expert i'm an epidemiologist hallelujah I've got, I've got all of the information. Hey Amen. I've studied this book. I've memorized hundreds of verses. I can let you know if something's going to cause your family to slip. And, Miss Heaven, I'm not here to coddle your ego. I'm not here to be your golfing buddy. What I am here to do is let you know that right there is going to send your family to hell. That, you got to get that taken care of because you'll miss your purpose. You'll miss your potential. you got to remove that brick from your house. you got to remove that box from your house. you got to remove that app from your phone. Why? Not because I care about controlling people, but because I want to see people saved and set free and living at their potential. Oh, clap your hands and give God praise. They brought the preacher over. And he would let him know, you've got to remove that block. Well, I like that block. That's my favorite block. Get rid of it or it will affect the next block. Oof. Oh, well, I, I don't, you know what? I'm fine with that block. It's in my room. But, but what they don't know is it'll move from your bedroom to your living room. From your living room to your kid's room. And those things that we thought were no big deal. And the man of God, the word of God, the spirit of God was telling you and convicting you. Week in and week out. You got to get rid of that. You got to remove that. You got to stop that. You got to start this. And we think it's no big deal. And we hear it week in and week out. We feel it. But we are a leper. And we don't take care of it. And it infects. And all of a sudden now. People are coming, and they've got to tear the whole house down, and their family's in ruins, and their marriage is in ruins, and their kids are in ruins, and they're going, what do I do? Amen. Well, I, I don't know what to do at that point. All I know is to go and pray and get a hold of God. And I know a God that can repair everything, but I know the best thing to do is not wait until the whole house has to be demolished. Amen. Take care of the one brick. Take care of the one altar call. Take care of the one thing at a time. Some people go, well, I'll just wait, I'll wait, I'll wait until finally they have to demolish their whole life. I've seen it more times than I can count, and I don't like to count them. People that thought, well, he's just preaching that, doesn't really matter, it doesn't apply to me. I'll let it apply to everybody else but me. And then it ends up affecting every area of their life. Amen. He said this, he said, you've got to remove those bricks. And even then, he said, all the plaster, all of the clay around those bricks... All the dust that you break off, sweep it into a pan and get rid of it. Well, you know what? I've been living for God for 40 years. Praise God. You got rid of all the big bricks. You don't smoke. You don't drink. You don't cuss or run with those that do. But you might have some dust left in your house. See, I love, Brother, Brother Johnson, I love God never stops working on us. Because there's always going to be a little piece. And what we don't know is a little leaven leavens a whole lump. A little leprosy will go from, come on. Well, I took care of it. I I got that big brick taken care of. I no longer do X, Y, or Z, but there's this other dust all around your life. And God's saying, sweep it up, take it out of the city, and burn it with fire. That was the answer. You got to get on fire. Hallelujah. That was the answer for all of the things, the objects, but you can't burn people. So the priest had a job, he would observe the individual. And he would, he would observe them and observe what they thought might be leprosy because there's sometimes some gray areas. Well, Pastor, I don't know if this is going to affect my life. Let's talk about it. How's it going to affect your walk with God? How's it going to affect your relationship with the church? How's this going to affect a relationship with other people? And they watch it. And if it becomes leprous, what happens is they're unclean for seven days. I'm teaching good Bible right now. And you know what? For seven days... They had to deal with this all by themselves. This is a time for a prayer meeting. Amen. Some people, think they only come to church on Sunday and work on themselves. No, you got seven days. Seven days where the preachers preach the word. Seven days where you've heard. Amen. You had one month full of revival. Go back and listen to every message. And over the next seven days, hear that word again and let it affect you. And say, God, I've got to get it right. I've got to get it cleaned. I've got to get it cleansed. I refuse to be unclean for the rest of my life. And you come in Sunday and you come back to the altar and you pray. Okay, that spot's taken care of, but there's another spot. Okay, I'm going to go back for seven more days. And over the next seven days, you work on it and you work on it and you work on it. That's what Israel told their people to do. But what do you do if you're a Syrian? And he is a leper. There is no hope for him. There is no priest for him. There is no one to come by and tell him what it, what thus saith the Lord. I think we all ought to have a little compassion. I know there's people that are bashing our world and bashing their political opponents and bashing uh, their society and everything that's wrong with it. Well, they shouldn't ride and they shouldn't do. They're leprous. They don't know any better. Uh, amen. But I thank God for a little servant girl who was not afraid of her age, uh, who was not afraid of her inabilities or inexperiences. Uh, amen. She just happened to be at the right place at the right time. She didn't judge him for being a leper. She knew you. You're a Syrian and you'll always be a leper. But let me tell you about a place called church. Let me tell you about a man of God. Let me tell you about where you can go to get a remedy. We don't need to tell people why they're while they're busted and why they're broken. We need to tell people where the remedy can be found. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We let them know if you come to the house of the Lord, you can you can get your sins washed away if you come to the altar you can have all your sins remitted when you're baptized in Jesus name we need to let them know like this little girl that God can fix you lift up your hands and let's pray I'm almost done preaching somebody pray come on there's some there's some Naamans out there. There's some Naamans right here today uh, that you're saying, I, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how I'm going to cleanse this. You came to the right house. You came to the right place. And God's going to set you free. We need to have some folks, like the preacher said last week, we need to have some people that take the hopeless of today and make them the heroes of tomorrow. That little girl who saw Naaman and said, I know where you should go. We ought to let everybody know when they're going through a divorce, I know where you should go. When they're going bankrupt, I know where you should go when they're sick i don't know where you should go amen we when they when they don't know what they should do in this crazy world and everything seems to be decaying in their life and desensitizing in their life and falling apart huh? we don't need to stay silent we need to be like this little hebrew girl that began to tell him i wish that you would go to church amen everybody thinks the church is a bad place no the church is the hope for the world the church I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go in the house of the Lord. I was depressed and suicidal until somebody had enough guts to tell me to come to church. And when they invited me, I came in a leper, but I walked out cleansed. I came in dirty, but I walked out clean. I came in hurting, but I walked out holy and helped by God. Oh, somebody, clap your hands. Come on, let's shout in this house. Let's magnify Him. Oh, I wish. That's my prayer. I would to God that some people would just come to church. I wish some saints would just come to church more often. Hallelujah! I'll say that again. I wish some saints would come to church more often. Because they think sometimes, well, I have to go to church. Well, if you have to go, go somewhere else. I get to come to church. I, I'm I'm thankful. If you don't want your seat, I'll take it. I know somebody else that wants your seat because there's a world out there that's tired of the bar, so they sure would like a church seat. And they're tired of the drug den and all these other places, and they're tired of leprosy, and they're tired of not feeling it, just going through life and going through the motions. They would sure love to come to a place like Brother Anthony and sit on that front row and clap their hands and dance during the song. There's a whole world that wants this. And there. I, said, I wish you just get in church. You ever felt that? I've talked to people and they just poured all their guts out on me, all the problems. I have people that want to counsel. I said, I'll counsel you once you come to church. Not sinners. I'll counsel sinners any day. I got one rule I'll counsel anybody as long as they come to church faithfully. Because there's nothing I can say in a counseling session you wouldn't get at church. Hallelujah. If it. If you can't get it over the pulpit, there's nothing I can do. If you can't get it through this word, there's nothing. I'm not superhuman. I'm just human and I, I'll do my best to help people. But at the same time, you I wish to God you just come to church. I wish to God you just go to the altar. I wish to God you just make it to the prayer room. I would to God that somebody would just make it up in their mind. I'm gonna just pray. I'm just gonna serve God, make a decision. That's what she was saying. I wish. And thankfully the word got back to Naaman. And Naaman, thank God for the Naamans. I was a Naaman now, who finally made the decision to give God a try. That's why the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. You need, sometimes you need that little Costco sample. You don't know if you want the whole package, so you come and get the sample. You're like that man that finds the treasure in the field. You found one good thing, and you're willing to buy every rock and every stump. You know why? Because the treasure's worth more. You come and you try it. He made it up in his mind. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go find the house of God. I'm going to go find the preacher. I'm going to hear the word of God. Whether it rubs me wrong or not, I'm going. And the Bible says he came with his money. He came with an offering. He came with his horses. He came with his chariot. He came with a whole entourage. He came with all of the paparazzi. He came with all the pride and all the pomp that followed his status, that followed his title. And he came all the way to church Amen, like a man with secret service coming to the house of the Lord. And he showed up to the church doors, and he found that they were locked. And so he sent one of his servants, because he's allowed to command people what to do. Go get the prophet for me, peasant. And then, guess what the preacher does? He sends a servant and says, go tell Naaman what he needs to do. Sometimes God will use the most unlikely sources to tell you what you need to hear. Hallelujah. Sometimes God won't use the preacher. Sometimes he'll use the person on the pew next to you. And they'll give you a word. I believe this. Hallelujah. Maybe you don't, but I do. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And maybe it could be one, one godly saint that walks up and says, you know what, let me tell you what your answer is. And they give you good advice. Take that good advice as long as it doesn't disagree with the Word of God. Amen. You you take that advice. But Naaman said, how dare this man of God. He didn't even come out to greet me. Does he not know who I am? Does he not know how great I am? You know, I've done so many I've even been used of God too. I've met a lot of people like this well I'm a preacher too praise God you couldn't preach your way out of a wet paper sack at this point because right now you're a leper and you don't have any come on and you, you say you're a preacher but yet you don't read your Bible and you say you're a preacher but you don't have a pastor you say you're a preacher but you don't go to church I got a problem with that you're not really that you're a leper and he said well I don't know about this I thought I thought he was gonna and we always get in trouble at that point right there He thought that God was going to answer based on his prideful view of himself. How great he was. He was a guest of honor in his own eyes. He was worthy of all of these great accolades. He was thinking that the preacher was going to come out and give him, amen, a a laurel wreath or something. Amen. And just come over and hug him and and shake him. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm just, and coddle him. And, And I think we should do our best when people come through the doors to make them feel welcome and love them. Please understand me. But at no place are we to make people comfortable in their spirit. There should be something that comes across this word that contradicts the leprosy in their life. Come on, God didn't call me to pastor a church full of lepers. God called me to pastor a church that's a hospital for the leper. God didn't call me to pastor a bunch of people that just go about infecting others. But God called me to pastor a bunch of people that can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I came to preach to cleanse the leper. One must not be a leper themselves. Church, we've got a mandate that we keep everything right. He thought, you're going to do this the right way. You're going to come and shock him on me and give me a back rub in Jesus. And then you're going to shout in my ear and I'm going to feel something. And it's going to go away. But the prophet did not come out and stroke his ego. He sent a servant. It could be an evangelist that comes by. Who rubs you wrong? Thank God. That's awesome. And he gives him instructions on how to be healed. On how to be saved. Well, that's not what my grandma told me. Well, that's what the Bible says. Well, I I don't know about that. I don't like that person's personality. Well, regardless of that, that's still the truth. And here he begins to tell him, you got a dip in the river, Jordan, seven times. And immediately he thought, that's not what I was thinking was going to happen. I thought I was going to get some little... One waved over me. Because again, this guy's a pagan. He doesn't know any different. He thinks they're going to do some mighty ritual because that's what every pagan religion does in the Bible. And when they're they're trying to call the the God Baal, they're cutting themselves and they're crying and they're doing all these crazy things uh, to try to get attention. Amen. But the God of heaven that answers by fire, all it took was a simple prayer from Elijah and God consumed the fire and licked up all the water. Uh, Amen. There's a whole world out there that they think you need some kind of theatrics and fog machine to heal people know what you really need is you need the word of God unfettered not stroking your ego preaching what let's say it, the Lord and you'll watch drug addicts come in and leave cleansed you'll watch people that are messed up walk in messed up and walk out holy and believe it in the God that we serve and that servant preached it amen he preached it like the evangelist preached it you got to repent of your sins yes you do Don't let anybody lie to you. You just got to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That is nowhere in the Bible. Do not listen to anybody that tells you that. That is not in the Bible. You are not saved until you do it the Bible way. You must repent. That is a cuss word in most churches today. The word repent was removed from the NIV translation several times because they have a contradiction, amen, to that concept of repent, which is metanoia, which is a change your mind. And when you change your mind, guess what happens? You also change your direction. And they don't want people to change their direction because it'll convict them about their lifestyles. It'll convict them about their leprosy. You got to dip in the Jordan seven times, not six, not five, not eight. You do it seven times. Repent you got to repent of your sins. That's when you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I am done living the way I've been living. God, I know I was wrong here. I agree with your word. That's what you're really doing when you repent. You're saying, God, regardless what I thought or what I think, my ego and my pride is going to be laid down, and I'm going to agree quickly with the Lord and with what his word says. He said, repent and be baptized. That's to be fully emerged in water. That's when we dunk you all the way under. And it's not taking a bath. It's not the purification of the flesh. It's an answer of a good conscience towards God. What's really happening when we put you in that dirty Jordan water or a dirty baptismal tank we try to take care of it, and we keep it clean? Amen. When we put you in that water, it's not that your flesh is getting cleaned out. No, your spirit's getting cleaned. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission the washing away of all your sins. It's like you were covered by the blood of the Lamb, covered by the blood of the sacrifice, and everything you were is passed away. All things have become new. You're a new creature in Christ. Why? Because you obeyed the Word of God. And then finally he says, you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as the preacher so eloquently taught, we need an outpouring. Our world needs the Holy Ghost. Our city needs the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, as several did the last month, you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit comes from you. You won't know what you're saying, but it'll be from God, and you'll know that God took over. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, guess what you did? You were baptized in Jordan seven times. But Naaman was wroth, and he walked away in a rage. He got bitter. He got offended. How dare the prophet ignore... A man of my status. I've dealt with a few people like that. How dare that you ignore my goodness. You know I'm a good person. Anybody ever said that? Well, my Bible says there's none good, no, not one. Jesus said there's only one good, and that is God. If your definition of good is relative based on everybody else's badness, you have self-righteousness, not goodness. Hallelujah. There's some theology for some folks. But when you get baptized. When you repent of your sins, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you are washed by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You are washed in the regeneration of baptism. When you do it the Bible way, you can now say, by the blood of Jesus, I'm good. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is good. Amen. Now, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I once was bad, but now I'm good. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. And thought, well, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really need to obey. And he did not like God's method or God's message. He said, I thought he'd come out and stand before me, call on God, and the leprosy would just go away. I thought I'd just say a three-word prayer, and it would just go away. Nope. You got to be baptized. And he even said this. This is what, when people get, get a bitter or offended, don't take it too personal. Because what's ended up happening is they're trying to justify the fact that they're not simply obeying what God has told them to do. Sometimes people get bitter and offended, not because you did anything wrong or said anything wrong, but because they are convicted about what they are not doing right. Hallelujah. They are convicted about what they have not done right. And he begins to say this, well, are not all of the rivers of my homeland in Syria, better than all of Israel. Mind you, he hadn't been in Israel that long. Uh, you got to check out the rest of the rivers. And well, they come to church one time and they go, "Well, I don't know about all this." Uh, you come on back, and we'll show you a few more rivers uh, that are pretty beautiful. But there's one river that's gonna wash all your leprosy away. Uh, and and he started thinking, "No, never mind. I'll go back to the rivers." Uh, amen. But but layman, you got to understand something. You can go back to the rivers you've always known and go back to living the. Way you've always lived, amen, you can go back to being the captain of the host you can go back to being wealthy, you can go back to being educated and at the end of the day it will continue on the epitaph of your life but he was a leper or you can dip seven times in the river Jordan and we'll be able to say but he was a leper, past taints, he's no longer a leper because he finally obeyed God he thought to himself, "I'll go home, where it's better. I'll go somewhere where they'll stroke my ego. I'll go somewhere." At the end of the day, the Bible says, "The one thing God resists is the proud." I know I'm preaching a little while, but that's all right. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Well, preacher, I'm not hearing from God. Well, have you sacrificed your pride? Well, I've not got a, I've not got an answer about this. Have you? Have you responded to the last thing He told you? Well, I'm praying about all these other things, and God's coming by and saying, Hey, instead of worrying about all this other stuff, we got leprosy to deal with right now. And he didn't, he was thinking, I'll go back somewhere where they'll stroke my ego. But God says, I give grace to the humble, not to the proud. Amen. And the Bible says he turned away and he left in rage. He was going to let, amen, his pride hinder his obedience. Can I preach to somebody? Don't let your pride or your ego hinder your obedience to God. Because Naaman, it is the obedience that will save you. It is the obedience that will heal you. Don't let your opinions hinder your healing. Amen. Your opinions, they can stay to yourself. I want to be free of leprosy. I want to be healed. Let's lift up our hands. Let's pray. Let's stand all across the building. But he was a leper. You can go back to the waters of Syria and still be a leper. Or you can go and do it God's way. And you can say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. You can say, I once was a leper. I once had the wrong mindset. I once had the wrong life. But now I've been baptized in His name and filled with His Spirit. Now I'm living the way God has called me to live. Don't allow God's conviction, amen, to to cause you to walk away. It's God's conviction, the Bible says, is goodness that leads us to repentance. It's his love. That is a gift from God. That preacher that sent the servant who said, go tell him to dip in the River Jordan. That was not bad news. That was good news. He literally told him, if you'll do this, you will be cleansed. And, and he thought, I'll go back to Syria, where they tell me I'm OK. How many here would go to a doctor if you, had a, if you had a tumor on your neck the size of your fist, would go to the doctor when they tell you, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that doctor. I wouldn't go back. In fact, I'd I'd file for, you know, malpractice or something because he's not doing his job. Don't go to a church where they won't tell you the truth. Don't, don't Don't get around people that'll tell you, you know what, you have a right to be bitter. No, you don't. Show me that in the Bible. You have a right to be offended. You know, they did you wrong. My Bible says turn the other cheek. Don't, don't let somebody make a, a faux Christian out of you. Uh, you find the word of God for yourself and you dip in the Jordan River seven times. Uh, perfection. Uh, you do it God's way and God's perfect way and no other way. He got offended. He got bitter. But I thank God for these servants he kept in his life. You need to keep some good friends in your life. You need to keep some good people in your life that when you start slipping... That servant comes up. Now, mind you, he could lose his life right now. First, it was a little servant girl. Now, it's another servant. He said, you know, sir, let me just say something. I'm stepping out of a limb, and you might cut my head off. But if he would have asked you to do something great, would you not have done it? If he'd have told you to go and fight a battle, wouldn't you have done it? Well, of course he would have. He would have gotten the glory. But in this he would have gotten no glory, no credit. And his pride and his ego couldn't allow that. And he said, oh, just a little. All it takes. Can I help somebody? Uh, common sense is no longer common. You gotta, it's no longer sense. You've got to pay a lot for it. it costs, it'll cost you everything for common sense in this generation. It's no longer common. You need to keep people around in your life that will tell you, hey, just go, go say you're Sorry. Preach! I've had a month to not preach. So I'm preaching real good right now. Well, they will just, just be like Jesus. And while they're crucifying him spitting on him, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He didn't say it was easy. He said it was right. And common sense will come by and say, well, is it that difficult to just go to the altar? Is it that difficult to just say, God, will you help me? I thank God for these servants that come by and say, just obey. Just do what is being asked of you. Or you'll die a leper. Well, I don't think. Stop thinking. Just obey. Stop analyzing through your emotions. And just obey what is literally written in the book. Forgive. If any man forgive, I also forgive. As you've been forgiven, so forgive. You go on and down this list and you, you realize that Christianity, it's a very, it's actually a very hard religion because it, it causes us to not just love our enemies, but pray for our enemies. Pray for those which despitefully use you. Well, I'm going to walk away. And this isn't even somebody that's trying to use him. He's trying to help him. And the guy comes by and says, hey, just obey the man of God. Just do what the word of God says. And finally, he says, okay, reluctantly. Dips one time in Jesus' name. Two times in Jesus' name. I, mean, I don't think this is working. Let's get out of here. I'm leaving. That guy's a kook. That guy's crazy. That preacher doesn't know what they're talking about. They're too dumb, too young, whatever. Say what you want. Just do it. Just, he said seven times. It's not going to hurt you any. Well, the water's Dirty. Church is dirty. Church is full of hypocrites. Well, so is the gym, but you still go there. Church is full of evil people. The hospital is full of sick people. Stop going there. Get your mind right. Repent. Just obey. Fine. Dirty water. I'm gonna have to take a bath after this bath. Four, three, four, five, six. You know what? This is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. And I have no doubt the servant's just trying to work through this guy's ego, instructing those that oppose themselves. Just do it one more time. Pray one more time. Repent one more time. Go to the altar. One more time, and I have no doubt, he's on his knees saying, please, because if you stay a leper, I work for you, and you might infect me and affect my family, please, for the love of God, baptize one more time. And he goes down, seventh time, Naaman comes back up and goes, my skin's like a baby, for all you that need a skin routine, just get baptized seven times, hallelujah in dirty water, it was the mud bath, it was a mud bath, he said, oh my goodness, what a little common sense can do for somebody's life, what a little obedience can do, what a little forgiveness can do, I'm, I'm helping somebody right now, what a little just let it go will do for you, forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't help them, it helps you, you can let go, And you can stop holding on to things that you've been holding on to for 25 years. And well, this happened, let it go. You're not getting any better. And you're not getting any younger. And you're not getting any cleaner. You're getting more leprous. Just let it go. So finally, Naaman goes to that altar on that seventh time. Lifts up his hands as somebody's going to do here today. And begins to pray. Puts his pride aside, puts his ego aside, and begins to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do with my life. Okay, God, I I really was offended by this and I don't really like the muddy water. I think sometimes the church is a little dirty, and I, I don't like this and I don't like that, but I'm gonna set all that aside and I'm just gonna obey. I'm just gonna do a little bit of what you said. It may not seem like a great thing to me, but it is a great thing to you. And and when I've done this, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And he begins to pray and God begins to heal him. Somebody here today, God's gonna do that for you. Would you lift up your hands? Come on, right now. You can look at this service and say, I'm going to walk away clean. I was a leper. I'm not a leper. I was lost, but I'm not lost anymore. I went to the altar the seventh time, and it changed me forever. Come on, I want to open up this altar. Would you come? This is an opportunity, not an admission of guilt, but an opportunity to say, God, maybe this is my day. Maybe this is my day where I just got, I'm just going to get that last little bit that you have for me. God, I'm going to come to this altar, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get a word from God, and it's going to cleanse me. It's going to take care of things I've been struggling with for years. There's no terminology on how long. There was no dates on how long. He had been a leper. It might have been for 50 years, but he finally went to the altar, and God cleansed him. That's going to be somebody today. As my wife begins to sing, somebody needs to pray right now. But he was a leper. But you were a leper. Not anymore. After today's altar call, I'm not going to be a leper anymore. After today's altar call, I'm going to make it up in my mind. Those things, God, you've been speaking to me about, I'm laying them down at this altar. And I'm never picking them back up. God, those things you've been speaking to me to do that are good, I'm going to pick those up from the altar. And I'm going to go and do them in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray right now. On, that's it in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Come on. You, you can have the testimony, I was a leper. I was a story. leper, not anymore, not anymore.
1: Powerful to make sin and shame retreat, this covenant is making me whole.
0: Come on. You know what that leprosy is. You fill in the blank. You know, God's been dealing with it for a while. Come to this altar, lift your hands, and begin to pray. It could be you need mercy. the Holy Ghost. God wants to my give it to you right life
1: now. Was the highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is presence, teach me to discover the joy of holiness that forms draw me close in you. Come on, that's just somebody praying the Holy Ghost right now. Restored.